Just listen to what I've got to say today. Romans 7, verse 18 through 25 in the New International Version. Everybody say now. Romans 7, 18 through 25. I know that nothing good, this is the apostle Paul writing. I know that nothing, now how many people knows that he reached most of the world with the message of Christ? I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I have a desire, but I can't get her done. For what I do is not the good I want to do. The evil I do not want to do, this is I, what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, <coughs> it is no longer I who do it. But it is sin living in me that does it. Hear me, sin is ever-present. No matter if you're a Christian, sin is ever-present. It is a sin living in me that does it. So I find this law. Now, here's a man that met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was transformed, changed radically. So if he says this, who are we? So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. It is something he has to deal with on a daily basis. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. In my inner being, in my spirit, I delight in God's law. <clears throat> How many people know that we delight in, God, in, the, in the, the laws of God, especially when we need help or we're sick or our financial duress or our family's falling apart? That's, it's in our inner man. Even though out here we're having problems, we start believing in here. That's where our faith is. For I, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body. Waging war against the law of my mind. And making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body of this death? That's what he sees it as. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Paul, in these scriptures, describes what is happening to all of us we're faced with on a daily basis. I don't care how much of a Christian you are. I don't know how, care how much words you know. I don't, know how, I don't care how many times you come to church. You are faced with a sinful nature. And it wars, it wars, it wars. Let me give you a case in point. How many people believe Elijah was a God-man? He was. They call him the prophet of fire. He was a powerful man, raised people from the dead. This man had power. Call fire down from heaven. 1 Kings 19, verse 4 in the King James Version. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He went a journey into the wilderness and came and he sat down under a broom tree, a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. I'm ready to die. I'm despondent. I'm discouraged. I can't handle it no more. Have you said that before? I can't handle it no more. Prayed that he'd die and said it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life. Take away my life. 
Why? Obviously, things had gone on, especially facing Jezebel. He, he, he felt like he couldn't handle it no more. I'll tell you something. Be careful when you make a woman mad at you. Because he, he was under duress. Lord, take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to shabai baby. I'm ready to check out. And that's what's happening today in a lot of our homes, in a lot of our, our own lives. We're ready to check out instead of checking in. We're ready to give over instead of, or, and, and give in instead of giving to the power of God and letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives, the covenant of God. So I want to talk about something that's very important, and that is I believe it's affecting all of us, and it's affected me. It's the war that's being waged in our innermost being, the war in our mind, and it's taking away what God has given us. It's destroying what God has given us. It's diluting what God has given us. What has happened? There's been an internal breakdown. Internal breakdown will bring an external destruction or an alteration. And that will happen. And I don't care who you are. If you let your mind run away with you, it'll take you away. So there's an internal breakdown. It brings an external destruction. But we are, <clears throat> we are Christians. But we are Christians, Bishop. But we have to, we have certain things that are at work in our lives, Floyd. And there's some positive things that are at work and some negative. But the positive can be overcome by the negative. What do you mean? We have a covenant. Here we go. Now. We have a covenant that assures blessing, productivity, and eternal security. We have that covenant. But the mind will strip it away from you. Your mind will do what the devil can't do. Hear me. He can't do what your mind can do. Because your mind can stop you, but the devil can't as long as you're in Christ Jesus. You can say, Satan gets you behind me. Devil, you don't have a work in my life. But what are you going to do with that mind of yours that's talking to you on a minute-to-minute on a, on a -minute basis? I have to deal with it. You have to deal with it. And it deals, it strives to strip away the blessing, the productivity, and the eternal security. Although we know that that covenant, there is no equal to that covenant. Nothing like it, but there are opponents, things that come at us on a daily basis that try to thwart the utilization of the promises of God, utilization of the unshakable this unshakable covenant. And many times, this is what the Lord spoke to me this morning, and many times, it's an inside job. It's not an outside job, it's an inside job. We're doing it to ourselves. So just to help get your mind working here, there's a few statements you may remember. You can't judge a book by its cover. Meaning, you can see something that looks a certain way, but it don't mean the content's any good. Right? Stay with me. It is what's under the paint that matters. 
You can take an old car, old beat-up jalopy, it ain't worth nothing, paint it up and, or have Steve put something on it and make it look new, and that doesn't mean it's any, worth anything. But you can paint it. You remember back, but there was a certain car, I can't remember, it was a Ford, but it had the same shape as a Mercedes. So guys were taking off the emblem of the Ford and putting on the Mercedes emblem on it so people could say they're driving a Mercedes. How many people know they're just driving a, a fake, a fraud? It's not real. I don't know about y'all. That's Southern. But I want the real deal. I want something real. So it's not, it's, it, it is what's under the paint that matters. It's fact, not facade, is what you should seek. A lot of people f seek the facade. I want the fact. The building does not make the home, but the people that inhabit the building. The water may be beautiful, but the currents under the surface may be treacherous. Here's the last one I'll read. Content, 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 not the package is what you purchase. How many of you, you purchase something, you're not really wanting to purchase the, the crapping. You want what's in it. So that speaks to me. That which cannot be seen is very important. All that speaks to me. There's things that are important we cannot see. We, we don't even know it's there oftentimes. Have you ever had somebody say they're angry at you and you don't know why? I mean, there's really times you don't know why certain people, they, they get an, at odds with you. Or people don't want to do business with you anymore. You don't know what happened. But obviously they felt something you didn't feel. They know something or have believed something that you don't, you're not cognizant of. Are you with me? So it's oftentimes what you see is not what you get. How you doing today, Bishop? Oh, I'm doing fine. Praise God. Highly favored. But inside, I'm thinking, man, I'm telling you the truth. I'm shot. This is important. I may have mentioned this before, but there's a, there was a, a volcano that exploded on May the 18th, 1980. It was called Mount St. Helens. And Mount St. Helens... I'll give you some facts here. It erupted, killing 57 people. Devastating 210 square miles of wilderness. It was the largest volcano in American history. But it was beautiful. Serene. People were camping out, eating hot dogs and hamburgers, looking at the mountain. It didn't erupt, though, without some warnings. But people don't want to follow the warnings. You go to the doctor, he gives you some warning signs. You say, well, I appreciate the warning signs, but I'm not listening to them. You better. They said that there were small eruptions before it happened. There were small eruptions that continued on a daily basis, but nobody wanted to listen to that. And nobody really noticed any changes on the outside structure. But on the morning of the 18th, the mountain exploded. 
and I won't go through the whole process here, but it stripped away, literally blasted and stripped away trees from most of the hill slopes within six miles, stripped it away from the epicenter, from the, where it happened, and leveled nearly all vegetation for as far as 12 miles away. And approximately 10 million trees fell after that blast. Now, you couldn't see it. You didn't know it was going to happen. If not, all those campers and everybody around thinking everything's cool wouldn't have been there. The potential. Now, we've got to personalize this and look at it from an Alan Meshagan basis. Put your name there. The potential for devastation was not seen from the surface of the mountain, but was found deep under the earth's crust. Everybody say deep. There are things that are happening deep under our crust. People are not observing. They're not watching it. You wonder, well, why did Jill and Bill get a divorce? We never saw that. No, that's the problem. You never saw it. They hit it, but it, uh, the undercurrent was there. Well, I thought Brother George was always healthy. Man, he looked so healthy. But whether you couldn't see what was happening internally. Someone said, boy, he was healthy. Yeah, he was until he died. He was healthy until he died. He was so healthy. I was reading about a fellow dying, some star. Died young. He said he had a heart attack. And he was all healthy until his heart quit. You couldn't see it. You just can't see what's going on under the surface of some people or something like the volcano. You couldn't see the bubbling magma that was underneath the surface. I call it hidden conflict, hidden turmoil. Hidden stress. And let me go on record. Stress is a killer. Stress. You get yourself stressed out and it'll kill you. Some of the things I've been going through physically is all because of stress. And that's fact. And I admit it. You say, well, if you trust God, you wouldn't go through stress. Let's just go back to Elijah, and let's go back to Brother Paul, and you're going to find out no matter how godly you are, brother, sometimes you're going to go through it. I don't care how big and bad you are. You're going to go through it. You may smile and tell everybody everything's okay, but it isn't. And that's my concern today It's how many people are sitting here today that it's not all right. You're smiling at me. You're raising your hand. You're singing the songs. But something inside's not right. Because if it was right, the covenant would be working in you. It's that hidden turmoil, that hidden strife, that abrasive spirit that's in you that drives you crazy. There are people just like you and just like me that have heard the message of hope of salvation, of deliverance, the Word of God, we've heard it, read it, but they never walk in the power of the promise of the Spirit. They never walk in the power of the promise. Why is that? 
Why? There are people that are ruled by an undercurrent. Something you can't see. Ruled by an inner stress, inner conflict, inner abrasive, abrasiveness. That no one sees until, Steve, until the pressure gets so great that it explodes. It's that hidden conflict, that hidden abrasive spirit that's within us all. It's the undercurrent. And now follow this. Here's why I speak to this issue. Because most of us sitting here are Christians. But when you go through these things that I'm talking about, it will stop the flow of God, the promises of God, and the covenant that should be at work in your life. It'll stop it. Why? Because it takes all your energy to fight against that inner pressure. You're spending all your time fighting off that stress, fighting off that inner pressure. Am I right or am I wrong? Maybe I'm all, maybe I missed it. Somewhere we're going to have to confront this. Somewhere we're going to have to say, if God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I will live and not die. Somewhere we're going to have to believe in that. See, the problem is we never really see the volcano until it's too late. It's already done its job. It's already erupted. It's already caused devastation. And you say, well, what happened to so-and-so? What happened to Brother Bill? Well, Brother Bill erupted, and nobody saw it, but it was there. You had to see it. You had to look for the signs. It was there. Remember, when it's already erupted, it's too late. That's why today we have to deal with that before we leave here. Because there's things in our, in our family's life. Maybe it's not us, but there's people in our family that needs this message. And you need to tell them you've got to deal with that undercurrent, that under stress. Deal with those things that stop in the flow of God in your life. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is desperately seeking to help people with those things that are holding them back from the covenant of God, the promises of God. I believe the Spirit's trying to turn that around, Abe, trying to get us on track. Why? Why won't they hear they come into the house of the Lord and the Word of God comes out and there's, I may not be the best in the world, but I do say a few things that can help you. But they never really hear because here we go. They are preoccupied with the inner turmoil, the inner stress. They're preoccupied, so I can't hear what you're saying, Bishop. You don't understand where I'm at. Oh, I think I do. I think in the last few weeks, I really understand where you're at. I mean, I was even praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. He said, son, suck it up. You got to go through the process. There's sometimes in your life you've got to go through the process. You may not like it, but you've got to go through it. There are people that isolate themselves. You wonder, why are they isolating themselves? Because there's no more space left inside them. It's all taken up with all this inner stuff. Then what happens? That inner conflict, that inner hidden storm starts to control everything you do. Ultimately, it, it controls your reactions, your actions, your response, your personality, and your walk with the Lord. Why? 
Why would it affect your walk with the Lord? Because you're human, you're flesh. Why would it affect me? Because there's no more room for the Spirit of the Lord to work within you because of the conflict. Well, I don't understand that, Bishop. God's Word is more powerful than the conflict. Well, let's look. James 3, 16, King James Version. Where, in the, where there's ending and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. So no matter what kind of Christian you are, if you're allowing those things to go on, evil work is right there. You've got to be very careful with that. Spirit of the Lord doesn't work where there's conflict. You have to have faith enough to put that aside and say, I will not walk that way. I'll not live that kind of life. And then, after all this starts to happen, you realize that the hidden conflict in you, that innermost turmoil, starts to control your prayers. Because when you get down to pray, guess what you pray about? You don't thank the Lord for the blessings. You don't thank Him for all the good things. Oh, God, don't you see what I'm going through? I'm going through hell down here. Really, you're not going through hell. (laughs) Your prayer, Sister Floyd, starts to become focused on the inner conflict. Where there is no answer. And it will stay that way until you command it to stop in the name of Jesus. You have to command it to stop in the name of Jesus. And then you have to fill that space with the peace of God that brings peace in the midst of the storm. And only you can do that. I can't do it. I can sit here and tell you about it, but only you can do it. You can't do it for me. There's times in my life I've got to bring that inner peace here. Then we want to blame the devil. Volcano starts erupting in our life. We start to have that explosiveness. We want to blame the devil. But many times, we are the ones that start the conflict. We're the ones that stop the boiling and the, the eruptive process. We're the ones that do it. Then when we get it started, guess who steps in? The enemy, the devil. He stirs the storm. And then when he starts that, Damon, there's nothing you can give because he's in control. He's stirring the storm no matter what. He's stirring it. And every time you try to grasp a little breath of faith, here comes the storm. A little hope, here comes the storm. You hear something you shouldn't have heard. The enemy of our soul, Satan, lives for and in confusion. That's what he lives for. That's where he's at home. It's confusion. This is where the enemy thrives, and this is where the boiling point, it's a boiling point of your soul. That's where he likes to live. But there is an answer, as the Lord gave it to me this morning. There is an answer. Isaiah 61, verse 3. And I'm not going to read the whole verse, but even Jesus started to quote this when his ministry started. But I want you to hear this verse now. Isaiah 61, verse 3, the portion. You read it all later. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, people of God. Jesus quoted this. To give unto them beauty for ashes, beauty for ashes, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. How does it start? 
Oh, here we go. When these things come on you and your brain starts to talk to you and flesh starts to deal with your spirit, you put on the garment, the robe of praise. And you start to praise God in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your hell, in the midst of the smoke, in the midst of the fire. You start praising God and watch God move. You start praising Him. The devil can't handle you praising God. Now, I know I'm in pain, but praise you, Jesus. I'm still alive and I can feel this. Praise you, Lord. I'm hungry, but thank you, God, for giving me the ability to be hungry. Thank you, Lord. I just love you today. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for my home. Man, I know it's given me a few problems, but thank you, God, for my home. Thank you, God, for all the things you've done for me. I just want to praise you today, Lord. I know the enemy has come at me from the east to west, the north and the south, but I want to praise you today, God. I want to thank you today, God. <clears throat> and there's your answer right there. That came from the lips of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah wrote it, but Jesus read it. And he said, if you can do this, you, we'll take away the, the ashes will be gone. The morning will be gone. Joy will come in the morning. I want the robes and the garments of praise. And let me tell you, you can't stop me from praising. I may be dying, but you can't stop me from praising. You put me in jail, but you can't stop me from praising. You can slap me around, but you can't stop me from praising. What are you trying to say? My praise to God circumvents anything. It goes over anything. Well, what else can you do? Psalms 4, verse 5. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Now. Now. Psalms 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. And so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Come on now. Psalm 73, 28. But it is good for me to draw near God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with a part of your heart. That means there can be no inner conflict. If you are to do this, there can be no inner storm. It can't be. How can you do that if there's a storm in your life? You've got to stop the storm. And if I was really get intimate with you here today, we would find out some of us sitting here are going through the storm. Nobody sees it, but it's there. You're sitting at home watching TV, and your spouse is sitting there, and your family's around, and you're going, if they only knew what was going on in me. Well, the Lord has seen it, and I'm telling you, we need to deal with it. Don't make a mistake like some of my friends have made. But I could tell them that at the time they were making a mistake, but they didn't want to listen because the storm was there. Now the storm has quieted down because the storm has already done the damage. How many of you, the damage is already done, and then you say, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. It's just life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You cannot put your trust in you. Because you will make a mistake. I have to hear the Spirit of the Lord. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. When you trust with all your heart there isn't any room for doubt. 
There isn't any room for strife. There isn't any room for jealousy. There isn't any room for envy. There isn't any room for any kind of volcano to be birthed. Don't lean to yourself. We're commanded not to, but yet we do it. So I would ask today, is there something, an inner conflict within you? There's been, I have had them before. I won't lie. I'm not superhuman. I'm no better than Elijah or Paul. I'm no better than Jesus. Jesus was faced with an inner conflict. You don't think so? Go to the Garden of Gethsemane and watch him pray. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I don't know if I can handle it. Why? Because flesh was crying out. He was all God and all man. So I'll ask you, is there something inside you that's keeping you from the goodness of God's covenant? Then we must trust in the Lord. If you're sick in body, trust in the Lord. If you're in financial duress or stress, trust in the Lord. If your business is going down, trust in the Lord and believe that he can bring it back up. Business isn't drying up. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and he will cool the inner conflict. And he'll bring peace where there once was turmoil and bring you faith. 